Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father Almighty God, we pause at this point in time and we ask for your help. We ask for physical strength. We ask for insight. We ask for wisdom. We pray, Holy Spirit, that as we yield to you, that you articulate the mind of the Father. Plant in us, O Lord, a desire for your word that we will never lose. Pray, Father, that you teach your people. Teach us all, Father, so that at the end of the day, we may be more like you. Father, we acknowledge and we present to you the fact that people will join and they will have a desire for the miraculous. They will have needs, they will have hopes, and they will have dreams that they really need your attention for. I pray, Father, as we go through tonight, that, Father, you address each one. Grant people miracles. Let them know that you are present. Do what only you can do. And we ask it in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, Father, take all the glory. We pause and we bless those who are joining by podcast. We pray that, Father Almighty God, they have an amazing time with you as we will. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, amen. And so tonight, ladies and gentlemen, um, as we begin um, our study, we are continuing on our study on how the Lord brings the new into our world. And we realize that for, for all of us as a church jointly, as a people, as a nation, we are on the edge of something new. That which God has promised is here. And so as we look at how to make sure that we respond to the Lord at all these times, we will look tonight at the next subject. And the next subject, or well, the next piece of um, in, information we're looking at is as follows. And it is, whenever God is bringing the new into the world, he will always expect the response of belief. That's how God works. He will always expect this response of belief. And that's going to form the foundation of our study for tonight. And we're going to look at different elements of that in the Bible. Kindly turn in your Bible, please, to the book of Genesis, chapter 15. And I'm going to read from 1 to 6. And, I, and this is the Lord speaking to Abraham. Again, I'll read in the King James Version of the Bible this evening. Uh, for now, if there are other, I may use other versions. And if there's anything unclear, I will do my very best to make it clear for you. All right. Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what will thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me you, thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Verse 4. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. He brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said, and he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Verse six. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, that's our first reading. And so what we realize is. Whenever the Lord wants to introduce the new to you and I, the primary way that God will tell you is to speak to you. He will tell you that this is what is about to happen. Now, before we get anxious in that, oh, I don't hear the Lord. I don't 
hear the Lord clearly or he doesn't speak to me like that. Let's think about the ways that God speaks. One of the primary ways that God speaks to you is through the Bible. He will do it through the Bible. He may do it through a sermon. He may do it in your study. He may do it through a song. He, If necessary, he may do it through dreams. But the primary way God will want to tell you about the new is he will speak to you. He will always do it through his spirit. We've spoken about that, that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you God's will. And so we realize if God is going to speak to you, the primary response, the primary response that he expects from you and I, when he presents something that is new, something that is from him, something about tomorrow, something about what is about to change in your life, a hope, a dream, a project, whatever it may be, the response God expects from you and I is belief. So let's look at the story we just read. Now, Abraham has been following the Lord um, for a few years now, and he's childless. So the facts of the case are that I'm becoming, he's, he's become relatively wealthy. His wife has no, his wife, he's had no children from his wife. And therefore, if he was to pass away, this was his argument, if he was to pass away, that all his property will go to the oldest male person in his household, which is Eliezer, his trusted servant. Um, that was how the culture worked. And he presented this case to the Lord. The first thing I want you to notice that in this story is verse one. Notice that when the Lord came to Abraham, he introduces himself first so that Abraham, his name was Abraham at that point. Abraham's confidence is not in anything else, but in this is who I am and this is what I say. And so we realize when the Lord presents something to us, he does it on his own character, personality, and ability. So it's not that we will just believe something empty. We will actually believe that this is what the Lord himself will do. That's verse one. The Bible says, after these things, that the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision. So he's speaking to Abram in a vision. And he said, fear not, Abram, I am your shield and thy exceeding great reward. And so basically he's telling him that, look, not only am I protecting you, that means in any situation you find yourself, I'm going to defend you. Therefore, the loss of life or the loss of goods or the loss of property will not be your case. But then he says, I'm your exceeding great reward. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we realize rewards have a, an interesting characteristic. If I'm going to reward you, I'm not going to give you what you've earned, neither am I bound by any limit, except for the limits of my abilities, my resources, and my appreciation of what you have done. And so what I'm going to do, so we realize, and so while we're looking at this, the Lord said, not only am I your protection, I am your reward because I'm asking you to do things that are unusual. He's already told Abraham, you should leave your father and mother, leave your household and go to a land that I've chosen. Follow me into the unknown. And the Lord said, I am your reward. Now, we realize that God rewards those who trust him. There, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you that because it is very important, because whenever God tells you, this is what I'm going to do, it's going to lead you down a path that's going to require faith. And the Lord said, I will reward you. I will give you a reward for trusting me in this area. Turning your back, just if you can keep this reference. And so I'll put them into the chat, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so we are at Genesis 15, one to six now okay um please turn in your bibles 
to Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six. And I'm coming back to Genesis 15, but I just want to drive home Matthew six, drive home this point. Now, Jesus is teaching about our relationship with God. Listen to what he says. I'll read um, in two areas. I'm going to read from verses one to six. He speaks about, and then I'm going to go down um, to verse um, 18. So I'm going to read verses one to six, and I'm going to go down to verse 18. The Bible says, take heed that you do not your arms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Almsgiving is when you are merciful to somebody, you are kind to somebody, you do something that somebody requires in a particular way. Jesus then says at verse two, therefore, when thou doest thine arms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest arms, let not your left hand know when what thy right hand doeth. That means do it in such a way that the person you are being kind to, you don't do it in a way that detracts from their esteem, their value, or you don't make it public that you're, you know, I'm doing this wonderful thing for this person. The Bible says in verse four, that thine arms may be in secret. It's not tonight's sound, but it, it is clear. It's not tonight's, it just clarifies the issue of reward. That thine arms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. So we see again, God tells Abraham, when I ask you to do something, I'm the confidence of what I want, the confidence I want you to have is number one, it's me and I'll be your defense. But number two, when you do something for me, I will reward you. We're going to come to reward in a moment. And, re and notice, or we'll come to the details of what those rewards are in a moment. And the Bible says in Matthew 6, verse 4, the Bible says the Father will reward you openly when you bless others in a way that is quote unquote secret or it honors it or it enables them you protect their dignity, their respect. And so you don't do it in public. You don't make a big show of it that look at what I'm doing. I've just done this for this wonderful brother. They should be eternally grateful. What, what the Lord says is do it in such a way that only I get the glory. So somebody realizes that, wait, somebody has paid for a ticket for to an event or someone's paid for me to go to a convention or somebody's paid my rent somebody has bought me food and they don't need to know it's you who are they going to thank at that point in time it's the lord and so the bible says that god said when they when that happens in response to that god will reward you the second thing that the lord and jesus keeps going so please follow me and um matthew 6 verse 5 and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Verse 6, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So Jesus said, Make God your priority when you're coming into the place of prayer. It's not that you can't pray in public. That happens and it's necessary. But what he's saying is give God your attention. Make him your focus. He says when you do so, the rewards for what you have done, he will give you publicly. So twice, Jesus said when you are kind to others, he'll reward you. When you spend time in prayer, he will reward you. Please come with me. Um, I'm skipping down because of time to verse 18. So this is Matthew 6, verse 18 now. Um, and I, actually, I'll read from 16, Matthew 6, 16. Jesus starts speaking about fasting. So he's spoken about being kind. 
He's spoken about prayer, and now he's speaking about fasting. And he said, moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father who is in secret, or in, who is invisible. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So ladies and gentlemen, three times Jesus says, when we do things, that please the Lord, he rewards us. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please remember what I'm about to say. And this is what, this is how God started his conversation with Abraham. He said, I'm your shield, but I'm your exceeding great reward. Meaning, I know I'm asking you to go down a path that's unusual. And I know I'm asking you to rely on no one but me, but I will outrun your desires by the reward I will give you. Now, think about it, please. The, when the Bible says God will reward you, he is only limited by his abilities, which the Bible says nothing is impossible for God. His resources, to use a phrase, the Lord is the creator and possessor of heaven and earth. He owns everything and his appreciation of what you have done. And that means when something, you do something and it touches God's heart, he will respond. And he's not limited to say, I gave this to this person so I can only give you this he can give you as much as his heart desires because he is God so ladies and gentlemen I want you to keep in mind when you're walking with the Lord and especially when you're walking into the new remember God functions by reward that means when he realizes you have followed him and trusted him he knows that you've trusted him down unusual paths. And we're going to look at that in a moment. The Bible says that God will reward you. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to think about it. And for those of you that are believing God for anything, may the rewards of your acts of kindness, may your rewards of diligence, may your rewards of belief come to you. And may the miraculous things that God wants to do flood your life so please keep that in mind the lord wants to reward you and i thought that i thought that was important to clarify because that's the first thing god said to abraham he said before i tell you about tomorrow let me reassure you that you going into the new will lead to a reward and he, his reward will outrun your desires it will, because when it, it, imagine let's say you just help somebody um you help somebody fix their car and you don't realize that that person is a multimillionaire. so when he gets home he just all of a sudden by the time you arrive home there's somebody there with a brand new car saying by the way the person that you helped fix their tire on the road he just wanted to say thank you and hands you the keys of a brand new car you say oh but all i did was you know help him fix a tire but notice appreciation the limits of appreciation the limits of resources and the limits. So his ability, resources, and appreciation. And he may not do that for the next person, but he will do it for you. In the very same way, the Lord will reward you, ladies and gentlemen. And the Lord will reward you according to what is in his heart towards you. And we realize what is in God's heart towards you is good. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, just to close this point out, I'll write this into the chat for you, ladies and gentlemen. They're popular verses, so it's okay. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And I'll read it verbatim just so that we are um, clear. There we go. What is in God's heart towards you? This is what the Lord said. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, 
to give you an expected end. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we realize when God rewards you, you are not going to come off the worse. You are only going to come off the better. Okay, so that's how God started the conversation with Abraham. Come back with me, please, ladies and gentlemen. That was a fun detour. To Genesis 15, verse 1. So God has told Abraham, I'm about to tell you something special, but this is what I want you to hold on to. Abraham doesn't let, at that point, Abraham is in a conversation with the Lord. And listen to verse 2. Abraham realizes God is here. He's my friend. And he tells him, Lord, this is, he said, what are you going to give me? It's not that I know you can't because you've already blessed me, but what are you going to give me? This is my need or this is my desire. And he said, look around. He said, my house, I've got everything, but I have no child. And he presents to God his problem. Ladies and gentlemen, just let me say here, Abraham said to the Lord, look at my current circumstances. These are telling me this is what tomorrow will look like. The Lord does the following, verse 4. The Bible says, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, this shall not be thine heir. That means this gentleman, Eliezer, not because he's wicked, it's just not going to be your heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. That means the child that you will have will be your heir. Then he does something. He changes what Abraham is looking at. And the Bible says, and he brought him forth abroad. That means he brought him outside. And he said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number. That means if you can count the stars, he said, so shall your seed be. That means this is the number of children you are going to have. Now, the Bible then says to Abram's credit, he believes, notice what he said. The Bible says, and he believed in the Lord. And he, that is the Lord, counted it to him for righteousness which is acceptance right standing in his presence but notice abraham believed in the person who told him this is what tomorrow looks like and so ladies and gentlemen what i want you to please grasp at this point in time when the lord presents the new to you notice the person, it's not that you just believe what God says in abstract, that I'm going to be this, it's going to be, tomorrow's going to be wonderful, I'm going to break through, and so on and so forth. But no, you never separate what God says from God himself. So the Lord said, I am with you. This is who I am. And this is what I'm going to do. And this is the tomorrow I'm presenting to you. And the Bible says, Abraham believed the person who gave him the picture. Whenever God wants to introduce the new into your life, he will speak to you. Because when he speaks to you, it is him that he, he wants you to believe him he wants you to trust him and then accept the picture and so ladies and gentlemen when god tells you something he his response what he expects from you and i is belief but that's not empty it's not based on nothing it is based on our knowledge of who god says he is what he has done, what we know he has done, what we see in the Bible. And so we realize that when we are presented with um, the new, the Lord presents himself first and the new second. And because we trust the Lord, 
we trust what he presents. Because ladies and gentlemen, notice, it is the Lord that is going to bring to pass what he promises you. The rest, ladies and gentlemen, the rest, our job is to believe him and go with him. But it is the Lord that does the miraculous. Let me just turn the lights on just to make sure. That's one. There we go. And that's what we want to remember as we go through this today. That's why when the Lord presents something to you, he presents it based upon his ability, not on our ability. So let's let's have a look. So come with me, ladies and gentlemen. And, and the Bible says in this particular story, God counted it to him for righteousness. We can go to the end of the story in Genesis 22, reading from verse 16. We see God fulfill this promise and Abraham's family becomes a multitude, literally a multitude. And so we realize God keeps his word. So let's have a look at another example of God introducing the new into the into the world. And, and it says the same, it brings home the same point. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to read two verses. Verses 19 to 20. This is how I, we've used this example before, and it's a, it's a good one, so I'll use it again. Genesis 2 verse 19 says the following. The Lord, and the Bible says, And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field, and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Verse 20. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an helpmate for him. Notice, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says in verse 19, that, and out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam. The key word is to see. So Adam would then say concerning what God had created, this is who you are, this is what, this is what God has designed you to be. Adam's job was to literally pick up what God had in his heart and declare it on the earth. We know this to be the case because later on, as when God creates a woman, there's more detail to the process. And we realize that God has in his heart exactly who and what he is creating. Notice, when Adam declares the name of the creature, the rest is up to the Lord. But notice, so God presents a brand new creature to Adam. Adam looks at it and says, this is what God wants you to be. And he declares it. And he declares it in faith. And every time he does so, what he says stands. Because when God presents the new into the world, the only reference point you have is that the person who you are in a relationship with, that is God, is trustworthy. So Adam declares, this is what God says about this particular creature. This is what God says. The ability to make it a reality was not in Adam. The ability to make it a reality was in God. But when Adam declared it, that ability flowed and it became a reality. And so ladies and gentlemen, we see in, we've seen in two areas when God brings the new into the world. He will do so by speaking to his creation, and he will expect one response. That means, if I say it is so, believe me, and then you say what I say, and I will do the rest. And so whenever God wants to bring the new into the world, he will always expect, he will always expect belief. And so let's see where the new comes from, which is one of the interesting things about studying the Bible. Why does God expect you to believe him when he brings the new into the world? Let's have a look, because the new comes from somewhere. We know that God has 
plans for us all. We've spoken about that. His thoughts towards us are for good. He has a plan for us all. But let's see where it comes from. So when God says this is what is about to happen, things are about to change for you. Let's see where it comes from. When we see where it comes from, ladies and gentlemen, so let's see where it comes from. If we can identify where it comes from, we can be more trusting when God shows us. Turn in your Bible, please, um, to the book of Isaiah 55. And I'm going to start reading from verse 8. And I'm going to stop reading at verse 13. Isaiah 55, 8, verse 13. So where does the new come from? Listen to what the Lord says. Remember what we said earlier about what is in God's heart towards you. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Same principle is presented again. So where does the new come from? Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Then the Lord says, For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Verse 12, for you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace, and the mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Verse 13, Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Wonderful piece of scripture. It, it's honestly one of my favorites. But what I want you to notice is this. Verse 8 and 9 present a challenge in that God said, the way I'm thinking through things, the way I have planned things out also the way I'm getting things done are far beyond you. And God wants you to know. So he says, even though my thinking and your thinking, the way I get things done and the way you get things done are completely different by virtue of the fact that my abilities are different and so on and so forth. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord says, but I want you to be part of it because we're walking together. So the Lord uses an analogy that he says the way rain comes from heaven and starts a predefined process on the earth and the earth then does what it is designed to do in the very same way when God sends his word to you he creates a bridge between the way he does things his abilities his resources and your experiences and he says when i want to build a bridge between my way of doing things what i'm planning for you what i will do for you is i will send my word i will give you a promise i will give you an assurance i will speak to you i will make my plans clear to you to the best of my ability effectively i'll give you something to hold on to across that bridge of my word, I will get everything else I want to get done, even though I may not be able to tell you what it is. Now, let me, let's me let put that in context. Let's put that in real time. Remember what the Lord said to Abraham. Said to Abraham, say, listen, this servant's not going to be the person who inherits your wealth, but the person who you are is going to come from your wife, the person, you, the child you're going to have. Then he said, Look at the stars. If you can count them, this will be the number of your children. And the Bible says Abraham believed him. But notice, God has given him no more details. God did not tell him that, oh, when you offer your son to me, I'm going to give him back to you off the altar. And after that, I'm then going to make sure that anybody who comes to me by faith is going to become somebody that is part of your family. Therefore, at the end of the day, your family is going to be much larger than any other family in the world. And by the way, that is what faith is. And then when my son comes back, 
pays the price. The, your blessings are put on everybody else. And by the way, that's how your family is going to grow. He didn't give him those details because Abraham's head would have exploded. But he gave him a promise that connected Abraham to his plans, allowing God to cover the details, but to present to Abraham a future that his mind could not handle. In the very same way, ladies and gentlemen, when God wants to transfer his detailed, articulate plans to you, he will give you a promise. He will give you a word that allows you to trust him. He then will work out the details and give to you a picture of tomorrow that he couldn't explain to you even if he wanted to. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this is what we realize this is where the new comes from. The new comes from when God says, I want to give you a tomorrow. It's very difficult for me to explain to you the details that there are going to be hills and valleys, that there are going to be challenges. You are going to come out at the end. All right. But by the way, you're going to be fine. You're going to you know, you're going to get your dream job. You may lose it, but then you're going to get another one and they're going to hire you here. And then things will change in, in the economy. And then your skills and abilities from this particular job that you didn't like are going to become so valuable that you're going to end up a multimillionaire. And by the way, you will be all right. Notice. Many times, if God was to do that, he'll be talking to an empty space because we will be terrified. So what does he do? He gives you enough of a picture of tomorrow, but he says, trust me, this is what I will do for you. This is what I'm going to do. Think about it. Um, if he gives you a promise that in this situation, I can be trusted. So, for, for, for instance, a promise that comes to mind is Psalm 119, verse 49, where the psalmist says to the Lord, O Lord, remember your word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my strength in my affliction, and this is my, this is my strength and my comfort in my affliction. Now, what does that mean? At Psalm 119, verses 49 to 50. My job is to trust the Lord. As I walk with him, he works out the details. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this is where the new comes from. The new comes from the thoughts and ways that God has to get you his plans, purposes, and promises. But he can't tell you everything. So he gives you a promise that says, trust me. The details of the exchange, the details of bringing it to pass, they rest with me. And so when God presents it to you, what does he expect from you and I? So the Lord says, I will send my word to you. The Bible says my word will never fail. It will achieve what it wants to. Notice when water hits the earth, whether the earth wants to or not, the process is going to begin. The process of seasons changing, the process of growth, the process um, and the process of photosynthesis, the process of evaporation, everything is going to kick in, whether the earth wants to do so or not. In the very same way, when the word of God finds a place in your heart, as the Bible says in many places, the process to get you to a place where you will be able to look back and say you are blessed begins irrespective. That's what God wants to do. We call that faith. Now, listen to the prophetic picture that God presents of someone who has his promise. And then I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll look at that in detail. Verse 11, verse 11 says, so shall my word be. Listen to verse 12 and 13. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Pause. So God is saying that the miraculous will happen when my word in you is present. The miraculous will happen. Um, so, yes, the miraculous will happen. That... When God does that, 
the miraculous happens. Why? For very simple reason, ladies and gentlemen, God and his word are one. It's the same way that if you are standing outside an office trying to get to see somebody and the owner of the company comes and says, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm trying to see a particular manager. I'm trying to get to see this person or I'm going to try. I'm just trying to get to my auntie who's on the 38th floor. And he says, "Okay," but they said I can't come in. And the owner of the business now says, follow me. What's going to happen? When you get to the doors that did not open before you or the people that did not let you in previously, because the owner of the business is present, they will respond to him, but you will be the beneficiary. When So that means, yes, the, so the security guard, will, he may glare at you, but he can't stop you going in. The guy who didn't want to tell you where your auntie was he may glare at you, but he can't stop you going in. The secretary who was trying to stop you getting into a busy office, she may glare at you, but she can't stop you going in. And then what will the owner of the business do? He'll hand you over to your auntie and then smile and he's done. Why? But notice, that means the benefits of his presence make the difference. And that's what happens when God says, I will send my word into your life. The next time you confront the same situations, the situations will respond to me, not to you, but you will be the beneficiary. It's like having God walk with you physically. Everything around you will respond to him, but you will be the beneficiary. Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, so when we say that the, the way we have to respond to when God presents the new to us, it's belief. That's what God wants. Effectively, what the Lord is saying is confront the new knowing I am with you and I am present. We call that in simple terms, faith. Because Jesus said, when you have faith, when you speak to a situation, the situation will respond to the person who is with you, who is invisible, and that's God. And so let's also, so rather than rush ahead, let's, let's follow a, a brief pattern. Please come with me, ladies and gentlemen. So this is where the new comes from. Actually, I can't move on. The Holy Spirit said that I should finish. Let's go to verse 13. The Bible says the following, instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. What does the Bible mean? Notice, thorns and briars are indications of curses. That's what the, the Lord says. And, and I will show you that. Please come with me to Genesis 3. Um, we'll come there in a moment. Let me, Genesis chapter 3. Let me get there in my Bible. And I'm, if it's okay with you, I will go systematically. And we are going to go to verse 17 to speak about thorns and thistles. So this is where we see it. Genesis 3. 3 verse 17 and i'm going to read to verse 19 so the lord says when my word comes into your life not only will things around you respond to me like i am present so things notice mountains and hills do not necessarily clap their hands but the lord says the miraculous will happen but then he's now even more specific and this is what the Lord wants to make clear tonight for somebody. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. We're going to come back to Isaiah 55, verse 13 in a moment. This is what I want you to understand about thorns and thistles. And Adam said, 
and unto Adam he said, "This is this is the 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 um, consequences of the actions of the male, the man and woman eating the fruit, whatever that fruit was." And the Bible says, "And unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife." And has eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. Not Adam, he said, cursed is the ground. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Verse 18. So the indication of God's annoyance or God's turning away from the ground, listen to what the Bible says. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field, and in the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken, what dust thou art, and dust shalt thou return. So that was where the biblical picture of thorns and thistles comes from. It is an indication that God is upset with that piece of ground. Now, I, I want you to please keep this in mind. Come with me, please, ladies and gentlemen, because that in many ways translates to somebody's circumstances. No matter what you do, it seems like thorns and thistles just keep coming up, even in your best efforts. Things don't seem to work. You seem to find yourself going up against invisible walls. It works for others and it doesn't work for you. By God's special grace, that's going to change tonight, simply because the word of God says so, and you'll be able to reach for it. Come with me to Genesis 8, verse 22. Genesis 8, verse 22. The Lord cleanses the earth, and because of Noah's sacrifice, the Lord responds, and he responds. I'll read from 20, and I'll stop at verse 22. And Noah built, builded an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savour and the, and the Lord said in his savour and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. So he's saying, no matter what was done before, I'm now going to bless that means I'm not going to be upset with the ground. I'm not going to curse it anymore. I'm now, whenever I'm involved with the ground, I'm going to bless it. And the Bible says the following. He said, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite every more every living thing as I have done. Verse 22 says, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, now, that means when you sow, you will not receive thorns and thistles, but you will receive the plants and the harvests that you put into the ground. Because the Lord says, now I'm not cursing the ground, I am blessing it. So the Bible says, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So the Lord says, all the necessary ingredients for fruitfulness will now be part of the earth's experience. That's what the Lord said. But we live in a fallen world. And so what that means is that promise has to be enforced when the curse shows up. How does God enable you to enforce his promise? He gives you his word. And when you now come to the same situations with the word of God on your inside, the Bible says thorns and thistles will no longer show up but the trees and the plants that you expected to show up. And it, what will happen is in those situations, you will begin to give glory to God rather than be upset or sad. Notice, so it's really important that we 
understand that when God wants to introduce the new into the world, he will always send his word to you. That is why he always expects the response of belief. And notice what Isaiah 58 verse 13 says. It said, your experiences of sowing are going to change. And so I declare over your life, before I we wrap up in the next five or 10 minutes, I declare over your life that from this moment forward, the benefits of the word of God in your life take precedence over any limitation, challenge, curse, or restriction so that from this moment forward, you begin to get the benefits of God's word rather than the challenges of a curse that no longer stands. I hope somebody says amen. And so let's look at that. And that will also help us understand what faith is. So let's look at two scriptures and we're going to close out with those two. Turn with me, please, ladies and gentlemen, to Psalms one and let's see the impact of god's word in your life someone verses one to three someone verses one to three and the bible says the following blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Doesn't that sound familiar? Where the Bible says in Isaiah 55 verse 11, that the word that comes out of my mouth, it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to notice is when the word of God is abundantly in your heart, so let's understand what meditation is briefly, and then we'll go on. Meditation is where you literally take the word of God, you read it, you study it, you memorize it, you declare it, you picture it on the inside, and it becomes part of your speech and your actions. The Bible says the results you will begin to get in your circumstances will be the results that the word of God brings, not anything else. And that means, ladies and gentlemen, whatever you do will prosper. And this is why the Lord is really important. This is what I want you to realize. When God sends you his word, he wants you to believe it because God and his word are one. So ladies and gentlemen, um, this is what I, I, I want us to remember as we, we close out tonight. You, please keep this in mind. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Galatians. Sorry, let me just quickly get there. Actually, let's read Mark 11 first. And we're going to read 22 to 24. Mark 11, 22, and we'll read to 24. And Jesus answering, saith unto them, have faith in God. So what we've noticed from Abraham's journey is he believed the person that told him. 
this is what tomorrow will be like. The Bible says it was counted unto him for righteousness. And we realize that literally means he had faith. Now, the Bible says, have faith in God, have confidence and assurance in God. What ex let me see whether I can, by God's special grace, let's make this a bit simpler. So, what is faith? The Bible says in Young's literal translation, Mark 11 22, says the following. And Jesus answering, saith to them, have faith of God. Now, that's a little different. It's saying the same thing, but it's have, saying, have the same kind of faith that God has. And our question would be, in what? And so let me put this into a sentence, if I, if I may. That faith is having the same confidence in God, in the Lord God, as a person and his word that the Lord God has in himself. That means when God says of his word, once I've sent my word, it will prosper. He wants you and I to have the same confidence in his word that he has. The Bible calls that faith. As you we've said, making sure the word gets into your heart we've looked at that in psalm 1 the result is found in verses 23 and verse 24 of mark 11. And i'll just read it um i'll read it from the young literal translation for verily i say to you that whoever may say to this mount be taken up and cast into the sea may not doubt in his heart but may believe that the things that he saith to come to pass, it shall be to him whatever he may say. So when you've believed God and you've said God's promise is true, the Bible says when you now declare that promise over your circumstances, it's exactly the same as having God standing beside you. And the Bible says in verse 24, because of this, I say to you all, whatever praying you do ask, believe that you receive and it shall be to you. Ladies and gentlemen, please remember this fact as we close out tonight. God and his word are one. That means you cannot have faith and not believe in the God who has told you this is my word. Faith is relational. So I don't believe God's word in isolation. I always believe that this is the almighty God who is my rewarder. And this is what he says. This is the almighty God, my healer. And this is what he says. This is the almighty God, my father. This is the almighty God, my savior. This is Jesus Christ, my Lord and savior. And this is what he says. The Bible calls that faith. When that's how you approach God's word and declare it over your circumstances and speak it, especially over the new, the results that you will receive will be exactly the same as if God is standing beside you. So ladies and gentlemen, tonight, that's where we're going to stop. We we've quietly covered that i hope that's made it a little bit clearer i pray that's the case um and ladies and gentlemen please please remember these bible studies are online so you can go back and listen to them on any of the podcasts um sites just do a search for jesus house bible study on spotify on um the apple one the Apple podcast and it pops up. So make sure so you can go over it again. And if you have any questions, feel free to email them into the office and we're good. And so please keep that in mind. You can listen to this again. Just go onto the podcast sites. And so ladies and gentlemen, may God be kind to you. I pray tonight that as you go into this week, 
that the Lord's word will do exactly what it promises, that the abilities and the power of the almighty God will be transferred to you. So as you go ahead, as you try again, as you speak over your circumstances, there will be a fundamental change and you will be able to glorify God. For those of you believing God for a miracle, we join our faith with yours. And we believe that God will intervene. And I pray that in the name of Jesus, God's kindness will be yours. That you will testify at the end. May it be so in Jesus' name. Ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful week. And we'll see you on Monday. Have a wonderful week, ladies and gentlemen. 